He was 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, great to have uh, Tash and Cal uh, with us today. Cal is with us in our uh, partnership, training partnership with uh, Long Crendon. Uh, so great to have you. Let me pray uh, for you and then I'll hand over. Uh, loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for gospel partnership. We thank you that we uh, can partner with churches across uh, this area and land that bear your name. Uh, we thank you for our brothers and sisters over at Long Crendon. Bless them as they meet now uh, and all our other uh, friends as they uh, meet. Uh, Father, we thank you the miracle that we can pray that you will be with them at the same time as we are praying that you will be with us this morning. And that's what we pray. And thank you for your presence here this morning. And I do pray uh, for Cal. Thank you for the word you've given him that you've put on his heart as he has studied your word this week. Uh, encourage him and build him up in your word. Lead him forward in your word. Uh, but as he speaks to us now, let us hear your voice. Let us hear what you are saying uh, to us. Speak to us and give us ears to listen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lovely. Thank you, James. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, not often I get introduced um, by playing a rugby match up at the front, so don't worry, that's the end of rugby for now. Um, but it is great uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, do keep your Bibles open. It'll be a real help to me uh, if you can have that there as we follow through these verses uh, together. Um, let me pray uh, and then we will dive in. Um, Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you for your words. Lord, thank you for this passage that we have to look at this morning. Lord, I pray you would give us all um, ears that are willing and able to hear. Lord, you would soften our hearts, Lord, to help us see more of you, more of the Lord Jesus, and what it looks like uh, to live out our faith. Uh, Lord, so be with us all this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, here's the question I want to start off with this morning uh, What keeps you going? What things keep you going? I wonder where your mind goes when I ask you that question. If you're a, a runner or a sports person, something that might keep you going is a, one of those little um, glucose gels to give you that boost of energy or, or a LucasAid sport, right? Something to give you that sugar boost to help you keep going, to keep running, to keep playing. Uh, maybe uh, for you, uh, I don't know for many of us this morning, it would be caffeine, right? A cup of coffee wakes us up in the morning, keeps us going through those long days in the office. Caffeine is that's the thing that keeps us going. Or maybe if you think bigger scale, uh, what keeps you going through the, the week by week slog of life? Well, the idea of, of that next big trip or that holiday that we've got coming up. You can fix your eyes on that, focusing on that. That's what helps us keep going day to day. But I wonder what keeps you going as a Christian. 
let's not kid ourselves, right? Being a Christian is tough at times. Following Jesus is not easy. As time is going on, the, the culture that we live in is becoming more and more hostile to the Christian faith. And there are things that are happening in our lives which I'm sure make us go, is this all really worth it? Why don't I just throw in the towel and sack off this whole following Jesus business? It's not easy being a Christian. Well, as we've seen, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians who might have been feeling quite like that. A letter written to a group of Jewish believers who were right up against it. And in the section today that we're going to be looking at, the writer kind of gives us the answer to how do we keep going as a Christian. As we've traveled through these 10 chapters, we've, we've seen a lot of big, heavy, and sometimes complicated theological and doctrinal things. It's been great to see the whole Old Testament sacrificial system to get our heads around that. I'm sure we've learned so much. But now as we get to the end of the book, these closing chapters, the writer begins to help us see, right, in, in light of all of that, in light of those amazing truths, what now? What does it look like to live out our lives knowing those truths? So this morning, we're going to look at the four things in this short chunk that the writer gives that can help us. There's one big thing the writer says to look back and three things practically we can do day on day to help us keep going as we follow Jesus. So the first one is we're called to remember Jesus. Look down at the first couple of verses, verse 19 and 20. Read it there with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Firstly, the writer reminds us that we have confidence to enter the holy places. Now, what does he mean by that, to enter the holy places? Well, essentially, the writer's talking about having access to God, to be in his presence. Back in the times when the Bible was, was written, God's presence was physically dwelling with his people. We've seen that throughout the story of the Bible, haven't we? God led his people out of Egypt with a, um, a, a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. He rested in a, in a mighty storm on top of a mountain. His presence was on the Ark of the Covenant as it followed the people. And in the tabernacle that we've looked at and in the temple, there was this place right in the middle, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelled. And as we've seen, there was only ever one person at one time of the year who was able to be that was able to go into this place to have access to the presence of God. After offering sacrifices and going through all sorts of ritual cleansing, otherwise they would die being in that perfect and holy presence of God. These, this holy place was completely off limits to almost everyone. The people had no direct access to God. But now, the writer says that we can enter these holy places, we can have access to God. How? We'll look again at the verse. By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. It is the blood of Jesus that 
gives us access to God. As Jesus went to die on the cross, to take upon himself all of our sin and our shame and our rejection of God, to take on himself all of the stuff that had separated us from God, he made a way to have complete and personal access to God. We get this wonderful little account in in Matthew 27 of how Jesus, after he's taken his very last breath, gives us access. And Matthew 27, 51 says, at that moment, the moment when Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's the mention of the curtain here. This curtain, which was about 60 feet tall and at least four inches thick, right? It's not just like your bedroom curtain here. This is a serious bit of cloth. This mighty barrier that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn in two like it was nothing. This place which separated the people from God was, was no longer. It's this wonderful picture to show that all who trust in Jesus now have free and open access to God. There's an offer held out to all people. You can have access to God, not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus, because of his death on the cross. The curtain was torn in two, free access to God. But the call here isn't just to to kind of understand this or to know it. Look what it says at the beginning of verse 19. It's since we have confidence. The call is that we can be confident. We can be assured that this is the case. We can be assured of our standing before God. Now, back when I was a teenager, um, and I'm sure I wasn't alone in this, um, I had a little bit of a habit of trying to get into places that I really shouldn't have been. Right? I wonder if you've had a similar situation. Let me give one example. Um, when I was um, 13, uh, me and my mates thought it would be a good idea to try and go to the cinema uh, and to get into a 15. Right? I think we were going to see something daft like the Inbetweeners movie. Right? It was something pointless. But we thought, right, here we're going to go. We're going to try. We memorized some fake birthdays and we went up, um, managed to blag our way past the person at the tilt and managed to get in. Right? Um, it was nonsense. I can't really remember anything much more about it, but we were absolutely buzzing, right, to get in somewhere we knew we really shouldn't have been in. See, the issue was, was, however, as we were sat there watching this film, the whole time we were just thinking, goodness me, we're going to get caught. Goodness me, we're going to get caught. How how can we do this? We couldn't focus on the film. We were paranoid that someone was going to come and find us and kick us out. We were on the edge of our seats, not because of the film, but because we were scared the whole time. I wonder if you can think of an example in your own life of a scenario where you've been somewhere and you've really felt a little bit out of place or somewhere where you really shouldn't have been. Maybe you've been sat at school doing a test and you know you've not done enough work for it. And so you're sitting there going, please don't ask about photosynthesis. Please don't ask about that. Paranoid that that's going to come up. Or maybe you're sat in a work meeting. You were supposed to read that report and you didn't take the time for it. And you're sat, please don't ask me about it. Please don't ask me. You see, we don't ever need to feel like that when it comes to us and God. We don't need to feel worried or afraid that he's going to find us out, that there is extra things we have to do in order to have access to him. Because your standing with God doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on what you've done. 
is all based on Jesus. It says in Romans, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can have confidence to face God, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. The first thing we are to remember here is that we can be confident that we have access to God through Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross. And the second part here, look at verse 21. Since we have confidence and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, we've covered this in, in, in great detail um, already in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 5 to 8 is kind of dedicated to this idea of Jesus being the great high priest. So I'm not going to cover this in detail now. But again, the writer is reminding us that, that Jesus is the great high priest. He is the one that made the sacrifice, as we saw last week, once for all. He's the one who can sympathize with us in our pain and weakness. He is both our priest and our king. So what the writer is saying here in these first couple of verses is, remember all that we've looked at? Remember what I've already written to you in these 10 chapters? Remember just how much better Jesus is than anyone or anything. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done for you. Remember him. <laughs> it's, a, it's a simple message, but it is so important. Remember Jesus. In the face of the persecution that these Christians would have been facing, from the criticisms coming in from other Jews, from, from the uncertainty in their own hearts. What's the call? How can they keep going? Right, to remember Jesus. And in the midst of our struggles, in the questions that we have, in the stick that we might get from our friends and our family, when our sin is weighing down heavily on us, what do we do to help us keep going? We remember Jesus remember him and if you don't know that much about Jesus if you're not sure then investigate him if you're looking for answers about God what it means to get to know God if you're looking for answers about life and death then look to Jesus read one of the accounts of his life in the Bible you'll find all you're looking for in him if you want to know God then look to Jesus there's the first thing, remember Jesus. That's the first and that's the biggest thing we need in order to keep persevering in the Christian life. That's the first thing. And if you look down, the next three things that the writer gives us all begin in the same way. What's the key? Can you see what it is? The beginning of verse 22, 23, 24. Let us. Let, not let us as in like salad, but, but let us. Let us. The writer is calling all of us together as the body of believers, as brothers and sisters, as I said in verse 19, as the household of God in verse 21. We're to remember Jesus. And secondly, we are to draw near to God. Look down and read verse 22 with me. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The call is for us to draw near. We've already been reminded, right, we have access to God. The curtain has been torn. And we're told that our end of the bargain is to simply draw near. What does that mean, to, to draw near 
to God. Well, the best way and the only real way we can do it is, is in prayer. We have this access to God. He's reached out, arms outstretched to us, and he wants us to come and, and talk to him, to tell him all that's on our hearts, to thank him, and to ask him for, for help and for, for guidance in, in all that it is we do. The reality is, there is no way that we're going to be able to keep going as a Christian. There's no way that's possible if we don't have a healthy prayer life. And by healthy, I, I don't mean perfect. <laughs> if anyone's out here that thinks they have a perfect health, um, prayer life, then I'd love to chat to you because I'd love to find out how we get there. But healthy, being regular and consistent time spent with our God. We've been given this incredible access, but so often we just take that for granted or we just spurn it and don't use it as we can, don't we? We try and go off and, and do things ourselves. We think, oh, I can keep going as a Christian in my own strength. But look at the attitude we're supposed to have when we come to God. Look again at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We're to draw near in prayer with a true heart. Not a heart that is closed off. Not a heart that's trying to hide things from God. But a heart that is true. A heart that is open. A heart that's honest. God knows what you're going through. He knows when you're finding it tough. He knows the struggles you're facing. He knows the sin that you're hiding from him. So why do we so often try to hide it? You see, you're doing yourself absolutely no favors if you come to pray and you're just saying what you think God wants to hear. To just try and please him by saying certain things, by hiding things away. Hiding how you're really feeling, hiding your true struggles and pain and suffering and sin from God is only going to make you feel more distant. The call is to draw near with a true heart, to come to him being fully open and honest, not trying to hide things from him. And when we do that, he promises to help. He promises to, to take your burdens from you. He promises to give you the strength that you need to keep ongoing as a Christian. It's tough to do that though, isn't it? I know I, I hate admitting my own sin and my struggles to God. We feel like at times, don't we, that he's going to be angry or he's going to be disappointed at our failures. But the reality is that couldn't be further from the truth. I think that's why the writer finishes this little command with this verse. I think that's why they finish it this way, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's this reminder that even though we may feel burdened and weighed down, when God looks at us, well, he doesn't see any of that mess. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. With the sprinkling of the blood from the sacrifices that we've already seen from the, and the washing clean, we get these two wonderful pictures of our standing before God. We are clean, washed clean from the stain of our sin and shame. All of our dirt and filth that has stopped us being able to access God is, is gone, taken away by the blood of Jesus. And so there's no need to hide anything from God now. 
He loves you. He cares for you. He wants desperately for you to be open and honest with him. Tell him really how you're feeling. He wants you to draw close to him in prayer. How do we keep going? Well, we remember Jesus. We draw near to God in honest prayer. And third thing, we hold fast to his promises. Let's look at the next one, verse 23. See what it says? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The plan there is to hold fast. It's, a, it's something that's appeared several times already in the book of Hebrews, twice in chapter three, again in chapter four, and here it is again. This idea of, of holding fast, clinging tightly, hanging on to, attaching yourself to the confession of our hope without wavering. Who is the confession of our hope? That's Jesus. Hold on to him without wavering, without giving excuses, without making allowances. Hold on to him and the promises that we find in his word. Why? Why can we do that? Because he is faithful. See, the reality is that everyone (laughs) in your life at some point is gonna let you down. Your parents, your friends at school, other family members, work colleagues, your spouse, everyone's gonna let you down in some way, but God, well, he always fulfills his promises. So he's the one we can hold fast to. You know, we can do this in a, in a really practical way. I know I've been encouraged to, to try and memorize some of God's promises from his words so that in those moments when we're struggling and those moments when we're not sure, those moments where we're finding it really difficult to keep going, well, we can call these promises to mind. So when you feel alone and afraid, hold on to Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's a promise to hold fast to. When there's pain or loss in your life, hold fast to Psalm 147 verse three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Hold fast to that promise. When you're facing big decisions, you don't know what to do, you can't see the path ahead, hold fast to Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hold fast to that promise. And when following Jesus feels costly, when you're really struggling to keep going, when you can't see what's coming next, hold fast to the promised future that we find in Revelation 21. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Hold fast to these incredible promises. I could go on and on, there are so many, but you get the picture? Hold fast to these promises. Like a, like a little child clings on tightly to their comfort blanket or to their parents. Cling on, don't let go. Because he who promised them is completely faithful and it will be till the end. 
Remember Jesus. Draw near to God in prayer. Hold fast to his promises. And here's the final thing. We're to love his people. Read verse 24 to 25 with me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now see, these first two let us are, are between us and God, individual things. But here, and this very central bit, the beginning of verse 25 is very clear. It's about us together. The middle bit of verse 25, don't neglect meeting together. I love how the writer makes this little kind of pointed comment in the middle, as, as some are in the habit of doing. There was clearly, this was, a, this was an issue that the, the people were facing. There were people who'd, who'd taken on board Jesus, who trusted him, but then went, I, I can do this all by myself, thanks very much. Thanks for Jesus, but I'm going to go off and kind of do my own thing now. The writer is clear, don't do that. You need other people alongside you. See, one of the many benefits, the many, many benefits of being a Christian is that as soon as you trust in Jesus, you are brought into a new family. You are now a son and daughter of God and you have a whole host of brothers and sisters from different places with different backgrounds, with different experiences, at different ages, young and old, but we are all united in Christ. And we're not called to just ignore that. We're called to follow Jesus together. Dotted all about the country, all over the world, to follow Jesus together as local churches. We're called to meet together. Now, I'm not sure how you guys found it here at Buckingham, but over in Long Crendon, um, the past few years over the COVID lockdowns was, was really tough not being able to gather together, having to meet online virtually. You see, missing out on that weekly and more regularly Christian community made following Jesus so much harder. I know I found that. I'm sure many of us did. And over that time, we, we lost quite a lot of people. Folk who wandered away, abandoned the faith, which is so devastating to see but it does just show how how important meeting together is without that trying to live out the christian life trying to keep going yourself is so so difficult meeting together is so important maybe you're here this morning and this is the first time you've been here in a while maybe over the last few months there's just kind of been excuse after excuse lots of things coming up things getting in the way and it's meant you've really struggled to be at church. And, and, and I get that. Life is busy. There are things from time to time that mean we can't be around on a Sunday. But is gathering together, particularly on a Sunday, is that a priority in your life? Is it a priority in your family's life? Maybe you're even <laughs> sat at home listening to this online. Maybe you could have made the effort to come out, but you just thought, Nah, I'm just going to sit and listen by myself. So we're called to keep meeting together. The Sunday morning gathering, is the, that's the key point in all of this. 
the prime occasion where we gather together, but there are so many ways that we as God's people can gather together. You can be part of a life group. You could meet on a Tuesday lunchtime or the Thursday evening prayer meeting. Are you a member? Are you part of the members' meetings? And those are just the organized things that we put on as a church. What might it look like for you to keep meeting together throughout the week? Are you inviting people over for food? Are you offering to go with a coffee for someone? Are you, as a family, inviting single people over to be part of your family? Are you in the lives of other people in the church? Or do you just kind of come along on a Sunday, receive and then go off? I'm not saying that you have to be at absolutely everything all the time. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about missing out on anything here. But the local church, and, and this one in particular is a very good one, is such a gift from God. It's one of the key things that he's given us in order to help us to keep going as a Christian. So use it. Commit to it. Love it and love the people who are part of it. But meeting together as, as a church, it's, it's not just a cozy kind of social club. These verses give us two things that we should be looking to do when we meet together. Right? Sometimes we need to give each other a kick, and sometimes we need to give each other a cuddle. Look at the beginning of verse 21, uh, 24. Right? It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This phrase, stir up, can also be translated as, as spur on one another. Like you spur on a horse, give it a kick to help it go faster. That's the picture of what we're called to do to one another as well. To spur each other on for love and good works. Because let's be honest, <laughs> really loving each other, even within our church, own church family, can be really tough at times. Can be really hard work. And loving those outside our church family, that can be even harder. And, and, and doing good, that can be just as hard as well. And I know if I was left to myself, I know I'd be quite happy just ignoring all of that. I'd look after myself and be like, yeah, I don't need anyone else. In moments like that, sometimes we do just need a little kick, don't we? A nudge from a brother or sister to say, hey, come on. Let's go for it. Let's keep going. So we have this responsibility to, to give each other that nudge, not because we're, we're trying to put people down or, or make ourselves feel superior, but because we really love each other. And loving people is wanting the best for them. And sometimes that means calling things out. Sometimes that means pointing out our sin, but doing that in love for each other, pointing each other to Jesus can be difficult. But sometimes that's the most loving thing that we can do for each other. Sometimes we need that little kick, but most of the time what we need is what the writer says at the end of verse 25. He says, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we all need encouragement, don't we? In whatever area of our lives it is, we need to be encouraged. From someone standing on the sideline cheering you on in a game of sport, from a, a thank you note sent in the post to an arm around the shoulder. 
when things are really tough. There are so many ways that we can and we should encourage each other. I wonder how you've been getting on with that recently. How have you been encouraging people in in the church family? Now, there might not be something that jumps to mind straight away, but even simply being here today is an encouragement to your church family. Turning up to the Sunday gathering or a prayer meeting, your very presence encourages people as you look around and see each other's faces. That is an encouragement. When our kids are out at their Sunday school and they're answering questions or getting involved in the service, that is such an encouragement to us all. When you come to Sunday night youth group and you're there and you're involved and you're getting stuck in and you're thinking and you're asking questions, that is an encouragement to your leaders and everyone else there. When you're here on a Sunday, when you're singing, when you're giving it your all, even if you can't hold a tune to save your life, that is still an encouragement to everyone around you to hear us declaring these wondrous truths together. Just asking how someone is over coffee before or after the service, that's an encouragement. Stepping towards someone who's sat on their own, that is an encouragement to them and all who see it. So I could go on and on, but you get the picture, right? There are so many little things that we do just by being here that encourage one another. And the call is to keep doing that because that's what we need. But it is worth thinking, how might you intentionally this week look to encourage your brother and sister in Christ, part of this church family this week? Because as the writer says, the, the day is drawing near. Buckingham Evangelical Church will not always be here. The promise is that one day Jesus will return. My prayer for for all of us, our prayer for each other should be that on that day, he welcomes us with the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And to help us get there, God has given us so much. He's given us ability to draw near to him in prayer. He's given us promise after promise after promise to hold fast to. And he's given us the wonderful gift of a church family where we can spur each other on and when we can encourage each other to keep going, keep going. And on top of all of that, (laughs) he's given us Jesus without whom none of that would be possible. The most important thing you can do as a Christian to keep going is to remember Jesus. The phrase, the the way in is the way on. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, knowing what he's done, that is what saves us. And how do we keep going? It's the gospel. It's reminding ourselves day after day of just how incredible our Lord Jesus is. The sacrifice that he made so that we can be washed clean, so that curtain could be torn in two, so we can have access to our heavenly father so remember him remember the cross remember that Easter Sunday morning when he rose again remember Jesus remember Jesus that's the main thing but God has been so kind in giving us so much else that we can use to help keep us going so friends from this section that's the encouragement keep going Keep plodding on, following Jesus. Keep drawing close to him in prayer. 
keep holding fast to the promises we find in God's word and keep meeting together to spur each other on and to encourage each other. And keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep remembering him. Let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that as we've seen throughout this whole book of Hebrews and as we've seen and been reminded of again this morning, Lord, that despite nothing that we have done, Lord, you reached out to us. Lord, because of your great love for us, you sent Jesus to die on that cross to break that barrier between us and you. Lord, that because of Jesus' blood, we have been made clean and we have full and complete access to you. Lord, what a wonderful thing that is to know. Lord, I pray you would help us all remember that this week. Lord, in all that we're doing, we would remember Jesus. Lord, and as well as that, Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to you in prayer. Lord, help us want to do that, to draw close to you. Lord, and to be honest as we do, Lord, if we're struggling to tell you, to open our hearts to you, to not hide from you, Lord, we'll be open and honest and ask for your help and your guidance. Lord, help us to hold fast to your promises without wavering. Help us to call your promises to mind in those moments where we're finding it tough. And Lord, we thank you so much for the wonderful privilege it is to be part of a church family. Lord, we thank you that you give us brothers and sisters to spur us on, to give us a little kick, to give us a nudge when we need it. Lord, but to encourage us as we look to keep living for you. Lord, help us this week find opportunities to keep encouraging each other. Lord, to keep our eyes on that day that is to come. So Lord, we do thank you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.